Welcome to Soundstage Insider, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of the film and television industry. We're bringing you the visionary directors and producers, the talented cinematographers, editors, sound designers, and more who really make the magic happen. We delve deep into their stories, their struggles, and their triumphs. So let's go beyond the red carpet and discover a fascinating world of behind-the-scenes talent. Hello there, welcome to the Soundstage Insider podcast. This is a bonus episode and we are talking with Megan Pothoff. She is a food stylist and in particular we are talking about her work on the Amazon Prime film Sitting in Bars with Cake, which comes out this Friday, which is September 8th, 2023. That'll be on streaming and in select theatres too. And I wanted to talk to Megan because we have never talked to a food stylist before. It's a really, really interesting subject, something that I have never heard much about before, for sure. And particularly with this film, Cake being such an important, almost character in the film, I thought it was a perfect opportunity to talk to Megan. So I'm not going to drag this out any longer. I always say that and I always end up dragging it out too long. (laughs) But I'm just really excited for you to listen to this. We're back soon with regular episodes. I'm lining up a whole bunch of people now. And yes, I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll see you soon. Here's our interview with Megan Pothoff. To kick off, I know you've always had a passion for food. I'm interested to know when that transitioned into a professional sort of career choice. Um, So, yes, at at a young age, I was very I was in the kitchen all the time. Um, I definitely fell in love with pastry, baking with my grandmother. Um, And I mean, I my dad would tell me like when when I was young, I would say, I want to be a pastry chef. I want to be a pastry chef. So. It was always sort of a dream of mine to do that. Um, I would bake, you know, out of boredom and bake just to teach myself out of cookbooks. And once I got a an opportunity in a fine dining restaurant, that's when I really just sort of took off. Um, but I actually left the restaurant industry um, at the end of 2019 um, just from being a little burnt out. And I wanted to, you know, take a break. And then that's how I kind of ended up in food styling with friends who who did food styling and had me come and join. And I haven't turned back since. So actually, could you explain what food styling is to our listeners? I'd love to know the definition of what that is. So it's it's interesting because it's so many different avenues, depending on what you're food styling for. For instance, with this movie is scripted. So we're, you know, making all of the food that is playing in the film. And then we're making sure that we have resets for that so we can do the take over and over again. But it's very different when you're doing uh, food styling for advertising or um, a shoot like that, because those are the times where food stylists can use their little tricks and their secrets and make food look even more appetizing. But it doesn't necessarily have to be edible. And, you know, and then there's food styling for reality shows where we we really just do recipe testing and um, set up a demo for a chef to cook by, you know, making sure we're measuring everything for him and he can cook very quickly. He or she could cook very quickly um, and demo recipes. So there's a lot of different ways, but it's it's always fun to um, to make things look pretty. In general, I'd love to know 
as a chef, of course, your your role is to make something taste amazing and look amazing. On camera, I guess the focus is just appearance, right? So does that make your job easier or are there different challenges with that? What is your approach? How has that changed? Um, yes, it is. It is mainly visual. We really just want to make it look really great. Um, I think sometimes I have a hard time with that because of my chef background. I actually like can't help myself but to make yeah. it taste good too because, you know, someone's eating it. And, and you know, not everyone goes about it that way, but I, I take pride in what I do and having the chef background um, and pastry background allows me to do that. So sure, you can fake it. You can you know, if there's a cake that's called licorice and leather, you can just make it like a black cocoa cake and call it that, you know, um, I didn't put leather in any cake, but um, it is sort of I wanted to make the cake sort of taste go as good as they looked. Yeah, I guess leather's technically edible, right? So you could have done. I yeah. guess that's <laughs> yeah. Um, when making this food, but I guess it really depends situationally, but are you making it to look aesthetically good or are you making it for the purpose of it to be sort of sumptuous and delicious like what is your what is your intent well since i knew the actors were going to be eating these cakes and there was a lot of different cakes to be eaten and they have to do multiple takes i really did want to make the cakes taste very good in fact i would get compliments on how good they were so it was it was great but i think it was in part of the design process really important for us to showcase um, the flavor of the cake and everything that entailed your or everything that was inside the cake sort of to show it visually. So if it were was like a pina colada cocktail cake, we really made it look like a pina colada cocktail, you know, and carved it into a coconut. So I, I mean, it really was both for me. Do you have any examples of how you make something look particularly delicious like that that you wouldn't do in the restaurant industry, but you do on film, like maybe some little tricks or examples of what you would do? I know you said in advertising it's a bit different, right? Then Right, right. I mean, with, with this, not necessarily, but I think sometimes like I can give an example of if you're cutting a piece of cake and, you know, when you cut it, sometimes the crumbs run through the frosting and all of that. So if you cut a wedge of cake and then you put the wedge of cake on its side, Sometimes what we'll do is we'll fill the lines where there's frosting, refill them and like make it look like this perfect slice of cake by adding more filling and making it read like a really, really beautiful slice. Because it's not always the case when you just slice a piece of cake, you know, crumbs run through and it doesn't always look beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So when you made that transition from working in kitchens into film sets, was that surprising anything that's surprising was that intimidating i know that kitchens can be kind of an intimidating place too right so what was that transition like for you um so when i first got into it it really wasn't that long ago it was about three years ago um i was doing reality so i was on a team a culinary team so it wasn't as intimidating because it was like i was with all my friends and we were just cooking and making food look beautiful but I think it was when I my first day on a movie or TV show set where it was like very intimidating because I didn't know how the world worked. And so you're like, you're just there and you're making food look pretty and you're just waiting for them to tell you what they need and then you do it. But I didn't know what to expect. And I'm I also could be a little bit timid and shy sometimes. So, you know, it was I was definitely very nervous on my first day on like a TV show. 
and everyone has a different title and they're all running around like crazy people. And- right. And it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's totally different doing something scripted than it is when you're doing like a reality, you know, it's a different, totally different vibe um, and different expectations. So are there any uh, skills or, you know, approaches that you take from working in high-end restaurants onto the film set, more sort of general principles of, you know, approach to work or something like that, I guess? You know, I just think that it has a lot to do with your your experience as a chef. I mean, not all food stylists come from a chef background, you know, um, mm-hmm. and but people can easily make food look pretty and cook. But I think having that pastry background or that chef background kind of just allows me to like if I read a script that has this um, this food in it, it's easier for me to to execute that because I know how to make all of those things or make it look you know, delicious and taste delicious. It's just a little bit more knowledge that you have going into it. And this is probably not the case with cake, <laughs> but with other food on set, I presume timing is critical, right? So that when they're shooting, like particularly if something's hot, right? Or something's going to like wilt over time. How how does that work? That must be a bit of a nightmare trying to time everything, right? Right. So we do usually have like a little bit of a setup on set where we have like, you know, either our air fryer or toaster oven or hot plate. So we're able to cook things and heat them and make them fresh for the actor to eat. And if we have like a plate of food or something and we just need to microwave it really quick, we always want to make sure it's fresh and it's it's warm for the actors to be eating Um, and then having all the extra so you know as they do their takes and we have to reset then we'll just put a fresh plate out you know we're constantly making sure that it's fresh for them to eat and presumably you also have to know about food intolerances of the actors and all that kind of stuff too right 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 i mean yeah there's times where you know they don't eat dairy or they don't eat gluten or they you know um are allergic to kiwi or or something like that so you always have to make sure that you're taking all those things into consideration and you're making you know, something that the actor can eat, especially if they're scripted to be eating and they want to see them eat, you always make sure that you have food for them to to eat. Is there a type of food that is like fills you with dread if you have to like present it? Is there something that's really difficult for you or that you don't like or doesn't look good on camera? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I worked on the movie Babylon and, and one of the things that we had to make was beef tartare. And I, because that was scripted, but nobody wants to have beef tartare, like, you know, out and going in, resetting yeah. all of that. It's raw beef. So uh, we ended up using a, uh, we had a little secret and we had a, a food stylist create this for us where it was basically like a jelly that looks like beef tartare, but it was strawberry. Oh, right. Okay. And are there lots of people like you in Hollywood are doing this kind of thing or are you kind of in a small little club of people? Um, actually, I think there are a lot of us, to be honest. Um, there's just so many different avenues of, of food styling. There's the whole commercial side, you know, where there's a lot of food stylists who just do commercials. There's a lot that just do advertising and still photography. Then there's reality TV and then there's scripted and Scripted, normally, we're, we are day players, you know, we're there for the food scene and that's it. Um, but this project was very unique for me and any food stylist, really, because I was on it from the start to the finish. And um, that was, you know, very cool. Yeah. And we're going to talk about the film particularly shortly. But so how, how does a food stylist 
get work? How do you put yourself out there and hang your shingle and say, I'm a food stylist and then Hollywood comes calling? Like, <laughs> Well, it's definitely word of mouth. It's all yeah. about what you know. I mean, and everything I feel like. Um, yeah. But usually um, the food stylist for a scripted TV show or movie is hired by the prop master so the props because technically we are and you know if we're working on a union movie or tv show we are um part of props because food is a prop um and so it's treated like a prop but we they do hire you know you as a food stylist to go in and actually make the food you know edible and and fresh for the actors and stuff like that but it all kind of starts with your connection with the prop master um and then you know going into like uh ad- advertising and stuff like that it's also you know if you know photographers or if you know people food stylists who do this and you you join them and, and you assist them and things like that right so bringing it around to this movie in particular i had no knowledge of what this film was before so i went in completely cold and didn't have any expectations and i really loved it it had a, a great sort of three-act structure right it was very distinctively how excited must you have been particularly with the title of the film, you know, when being asked in for this project, because there can't be too many projects where what you do is so prominent in the piece, right? I mean, it's sort of almost a character in the movie in its own right. Right. Uh, I mean, we we joke about that all the time, about how the, the cake is one of the main characters. Right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, when I got the call, I was like, wow, how perfect could this be for a previous pastry chef? You know, like this is definitely made for me. Um, and I had a friend. She's actually the one who got the call first for um, from the prop master. And she was like, oh, I know the perfect person. And so she sent it my way um, because I I make cake all the time. So it was a very um, attainable project for me. Where it was very exciting. And, you know, also being a part of the process from beginning to end, which is very rare as a food stylist. So speaking of the process, what was the first initial, were you sketching out ideas for the kind of styles of the cakes and sort of matching it to the structure of the story? Like talk us through your initial stages of the process. So it started off where I, you know, I just made some cakes and we had a meeting with the production designer, the, the director and the producers. And we, I made some cakes that kind of looked like scripted cakes without any direction at all. I was just like, let's hear it. Here's some cake. Let's talk about it, you know? And a lot of them I sort of made as if a home baker made it because that's sort of how I thought we wanted to go. Um, But over time, it sort of evolved into this polished and professional looking, like all the cakes were very polished and professional, but yet a little bit adventurous and exciting as time went on. And the adventure and excitement kind of came from either whatever the flavor of the cake was or what it looked like. So we had a like a wall um, that we had all of our photos of each cake. So it was cake from, you know, one to 50. It actually wasn't 50, but it, you know, all the numbered cakes on the wall and we would put our inspo of it and we talk about it. We were all on the same page. And then every Friday I would come in with three more designs. So once everyone approved it, we would take a photo of it and then we put my cake up there. And then it was like a, a cake wall. And it was also a way to track her progression yeah. of the cakes by seeing them all kind of like gradually change. So it was definitely like a long process. I mean, I started in in pre-production and so that was like, you know, we had we hadn't started filming yet. Um and it's very rare I'm on for that process. So it's funny because you know, in, in another podcast that I do, we interview actors and they talk about their sort of the backstory of the character and stuff like that. And you're sort of going one step further and 
you're looking at the character and then their progression and what that means for the cake, right? So there was a progression of her as a baker and did the styles of the cake have to sort of match what was going on in the story? You know, because obviously there's a sort of a big arc story-wise. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. It was, it's it's as as the script is written, all the cakes were already paired with the bar, pretty much. I mean, some things changed slightly, but every cake kind of had a personality based on like the type of bar that it was. So I kind of had to design sort of a, like, for instance, the spice rum cake was at like, you know, a pirate themed bar. So we made the cake sort of a nautical theme. And and it was all like I, every cake had its own personality based on like the bar it was paired with in a way, yeah. um, just to sort of tell the story a little bit. But it was also a, about her her flavors and her designs just getting more and more adventurous just as she kind of comes out of her shell. So walk me through the timeline of how it works. If you're shooting a scene in a particular bar, are you making the cake the night before and then you're like decorating it the following day so it's ready to go? Like, how did it work? So I would have a day of making all the cake rounds, baking all the cakes off, making all the frosting. And then the next day I would assemble all the cakes, decorate them. So the cakes actually went to set like fully decorated and ready ready to go. We had a refrigerator on a cube truck that traveled with us to every location because we were 90% a location movie. So I would go to set, I would load the cakes in the fridge and then we would, you know, pull one cake out and use it. And then as we needed to circle through the, the rest of the cakes, if we needed them. And then I would always have like a kit with me and it would be like a little bag of frosting or whatever we were decorating the cake with. If anything fell off or if anything like got smudged, we always had a little fix it kit on hand with us just in case. Right. Um, so there were sort of your little sort of babies once they left you, right? They were sort of out there vulnerable on, <laughs> on set and you kind of rush in and fix them up. Well, we always had a food stylist. Uh, I had another food stylist on set with me. So that way I could go and I could make sure all the cakes were, were ready for the scene. And then I would jet back and make cakes for the next day. So she would work the set and make sure all the cakes were kind of Okay. And once once you wrapped those scenes, was it like everyone just pounced on the cake? I mean, yeah, it was sort of, I mean, we don't want to throw anything away, um, but also like it, it was good cake. And so whenever we could, I think by the end of it, the crew was like, oh, cake again. <laughs> I don't want any more cake, even though they all loved it. And we actually had one, uh, one of our PAs, she would always take a cake home if there was like a full one, or even if it had a slice out of it. She would take it and she'd go to bars and she'd do her own cake bar on the side. It was like her own little project. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. So what were the specific unique challenges for this film, would you say? Um, I think it, it was a little rough uh, in the beginning meeting everyone's expectations for the cake because, you know, there's so many people involved. So there's always extra opinions and you just don't you have to find that like middle ground and I think it was a little challenging in the beginning to find okay how can we make this look like a polished and professional cake but also a little adventurous and a little fun so it's finding that happy medium and I think in the beginning it took me a minute and then once I got it it was like everything I was making they were all like okay this is it this is it this is it and so it was very smooth after that yeah. And what are the things that particularly stood out to you as particularly satisfying about working on this project? I mean, it must be pretty gratifying watching the film for the finished film, right? And and seeing your work on screen. 
Yeah, it's honestly, it's very cool. There are some cakes that I, um, that got like to shine, you know, as a whole cake. Some cakes were only pieces and things like that. But yeah, I mean, I remember actually speaking of the the licorice and leather cake, having to design that one, I was so intimidated by it because I didn't know what that was supposed to look like. Um, but they were at a burlesque bar and then they were at a biker bar. So kind of adding a little like edible lace to it from the burlesque era area and then to, you know, biker bar and making like a dark black chocolate drip on it and like, like black licorice and things like that. Um, and I felt like it was a very challenging cake in the beginning and I was a little intimidated by it, but after doing it and making the design, I was really proud of it. Yeah. Even though you only see a sliver of it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Cause there's that whole sequence towards the end where you see like, what was it like 10 cakes? like fly by yeah, right yeah. you know yeah. yeah they all get their little moment but it's kind of brief they do yeah <laughs> yeah um so who is the person on set that you were collaborating with most on in production you were like bouncing ideas off or would sort of run ideas up the flagpole who who is that person um tracy our production designer was probably like you know she was on the cake journey with me if you will right <laughs> So it was, you know, um, and then when we have our meetings, everybody was involved, the producers and the director, Trish. Um, but Tracy was my soundboard. We went over designs together. She would have an idea. Then I would have an idea. Then we would talk about how I could execute that idea. So she was sort of my soundboard. I worked with her very closely. And that's another new thing for me. I don't necessarily work with production designers all, all that close and this long either. I mean, we work together, but um, this was a very unique um, project. And um, Tracy helped me get through the, the cake journey and figuring out what we wanted these cakes to look like. It was fun. So it sounds very collaborative, like quite a collaborative supporting community that you're in with this definitely, production. Yeah, definitely. That's great to know. Yeah. I, I interview a lot of people in production, in various roles in production, and they all talk about the importance of being a team player and being a good person to work with. So has that been something that you've been enjoying working on and being a part of a bigger team that's all pulling in the same direction? Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, normally we're just a part of the props team and we just are there and we're with the, you know, the prop property master and the prop assistants and stuff like that. And that's usually kind of the only part that we're we're really close with um, besides, you know, um, going on set and the ADs kind of telling you um, what's going on and what where placement is and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, being being in this this sort of creative process with the producers and the production designer and the director was new to me. And um, it was a very lovely experience. Yeah. Um, and they were all, you know, very supportive. And we, you know, at the end of the day, we got what we wanted. We got the good cake designs and it was it was fun. Right. Well, as we're wrapping up here, I know you're quite early in your journey, but I'd love I always try and end the podcast with any advice that you have for people listening who may want to get into food styling. So actually, it's quite relevant seeing as you started fairly recently yourself for people who want to get into it now. So what is your advice? You said earlier that you don't necessarily have to be a chef, but presumably you also have to have an artistic eye too, right? That's part of the process as well. So what would your advice be to those wanting to get in? Where, How should they approach this? So I, I mean, definitely having that artistic eye is helpful and the passion as well. If you really do love making food look pretty, it is important to have that passion. But I will say like, you know, how, how you always get hired again is having a great attitude. If you have a great attitude on set, 
then it's more likely that the photographer or the prop master, whoever you're working with, is going to want to work with you again. So being a team player and having a great attitude will get you pretty far. Wow. I love that. Thank you. This was very illuminating and uh, very interesting to hear. And congratulations on the film. The Cakes were a major character in the film. <laughs> and so uh, that's all down to you. So, uh, you know, props to you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Soundstage Insider podcast. My name's Jamie. I'm the host and producer of the show. This has been an RPS audio production. To find out more about the podcast, check out the show notes and also connect with us on social media. We are Soundstage Insider on Instagram and Soundstage In on Twitter. And I'll see you soon.